0: For great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts, the TNT Shop is now open at
1: tntradio.live. You're with Lembid on
0: today's News Talk Radio,
1: TNT. Welcome back. Lembitopic with you for another couple of hours uh, here on what happens to be a Sunday morning in the United Kingdom, but obviously it's an evening in Australia and the deep night in the United States. Wherever you are, you're most welcome to the home of free speech uh, with me at the Lembitopic Show, where we find the facts, kill the spin and tell it like it is. As we see it, we express opinions too, but we separate those from facts. And my only request to you is You make your own judgments. And if you don't like what you hear then go to the chat and say so. If you do like what you hear, you can do the same thing. You'll also find phone numbers there. Wherever you are in the world, you're most welcome to join us. Uh, Coming up now, we're going to have a review of the week uh, by our very own guru of current affairs. Uh, That's Gemma Cooper. We'll go to her in just a minute. I want to cover a couple of stories that I've noticed today, uh, both of which cause me great uh, suspicion and doubt. One is uh, from Faisal Islam uh, on the state broadcaster in the United Kingdom. Uh, He claims that uh, Russia's war economy cannot last, but has bought time. And I won't go through the whole details, but the inference is, if you have uh, a war with the West, then you will go bust. And this, in my view, rather self-congratulatory article uh, in terms of supporting the West says, yeah, sure, they are doing well now, but they're going to suffer because they've taken on the might of the Western military industrial complex. Indeed, and I quote from an article, uh, it actually says, uh, and this this is actually from the article, based on the International Monetary Fund's figures, the Russian economy grew faster than the whole G7 last year and will do so again in 2024. But then the article goes on to say that there are going to be big problems uh, in the Russian economy as a result of the war. Let's think about that. It's the fastest growing economy compared to the G7, which are basically Western uh, or or other major economies in the world, to be precise. Uh, uh, But it's all going to crash and burn. This in my view is an absolutely classic case of seeing the world through rose-tinted spectacles to back up what the author wants to believe and what the state-sponsored station wants us to hear. Why? Think about the opposite. Imagine if the state-sponsored television station in the United Kingdom and radio station in the United Kingdom were to say, Well, Russia's just going great guns, literally. It's flying forward economically and it's not going to give up any time soon. They'd get a call from the culture minister or perhaps from the Prime Minister saying why are you talking up the enemy? (laughs) That's the problem when you're depending on a handout from the very government that you're meant to be objectively reporting, in theory, for your survival. Uh, I put it to you that Russia has made an absolute windfall in terms of selling its oil and fuel. Apparently, I haven't had time to... dependently corroborate this, apparently to Ukraine itself under some circumstances. During the work week, we also discovered that through a rather circuitous route, even the Brits have been buying <laughs> Russian oil. So let's take a reality check here. For all of the sanctions and everything else, if it harms anyone, it'll be harming the Russian general public. All you have to do to go in and out of Russia these days is fly through a third-party country. Dubai and Istanbul are obvious examples. And let me tell you this, and I have researched this, those two countries, the United Arab Emirates and Turkey, are having an absolute windfall of their own. Why? Because Russians are going there for their holidays because they can't get into Europe so easily. This is the fallacy of a sanctions scheme, which looks like strong economic saber rattling by the West, but has done nothing to temper the very healthy growth of the Russian economy at the same time. I predict that when this little local difficulty in Ukraine, or big local difficulty if you live there, is over, then Russia will be the go-to destination for countless companies and countless nations. And guess what? Some of them are already building those relationships. Could it be that this is yet another sign of something I've heralded a number of times here in uh, this show? Uh, of the shift from economic power from the West to what I call the BRICS countries, including Russia. I think so. Uh, Just one other uh, little story which uh, I find quite amusing in a rather dark way, uh, and that's the fact that while Joe Biden, who I mentioned earlier on, has been in a lot of trouble for his memory, the effort is to continue to try to prevent his main likely opponent, Donald Trump, from actually even being on the ballot paper. Now, I've just been speaking with Brian Katz, who is a serious climate analyst, about the fake news of a climate emergency caused by human-generated carbon dioxide. And we've touched on the fact that those who say that, those who dare to call out the fanaticists as being fantasists as well, tend to get cancelled. That seems to be the primary objective of those who want to stop Donald Trump. I put it to you, they know that in a Trump versus Biden contest, Trump will probably win, even if he's in prison. And for that reason, rather than celebrating what's meant to be at the essence of democracy, which is giving the public a choice, they try to take that choice away. Donald Trump said a few months ago, every lawsuit makes him stronger. I've come to believe he's right, because he does begin to look like the billionaire who speaks for the Just About Managing. That is quite an achievement. Is it Donald Trump's achievement? No, of course it isn't. It's his enemy's achievement, because they've made him look like the underdog. A man who lives in a bigger house in some villages in the south of England has now begun to look like the man who the ordinary person should vote for. Congratulations, Democrats. Congratulations, those who seek to use the legal system as a big stick against the man who would be king again. Perhaps you disagree. Put your messages, your comments on the site. But I challenge anyone to explain to me why, for all his faults, Donald Trump should be prevented from standing as President of the United States when clearly tens of millions of people feel he speaks for them. If you are a Democrat and you live in America, then have the courage of your convictions and let the public decide who's in charge. Do not use the courts. To ban the opportunity for the public to make that choice. In a minute, we're going to talk to Gemma Cooper, who will be sharing the stories that caught her eye during the week. All of that on the Lemotopic Show right here on TNT.
0: It's the stuff. What citizen wouldn't want to make American gradient? People are talking about vilifying mago. It's just not going to work. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: Gemma Cooper, you've been busy this week. Sorry to take you out of your hibernation at the weekend to make you work again. How have you been?
2: I don't mind at all, Lembek. And I don't know if you've noticed. I mean, some people listen to TNT. Some people watch TNT. But I had a haircut in your honour. I thought I'm going to be on with Lembit <laughs> at the weekend. I need to smarten up. It's Sunday. It's a bit like a date for me because obviously we used to work together on the UK breakfast show and I thought, oh, me and Lembit, we're back together. I must make sure I look all right. So I went and had a haircut in your honour. There we go. <laughs>
1: it, 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 well, first of all, I'm flattered beyond uh, belief that you've done that. Uh, you have also looked very trendy, but it depresses me because I always look the same. My grey hair, my boring tie. My my suit. Uh, incidentally, you are uh, highlighting why everybody who's listening should also tune in, because uh, as a television station, we now have glamour, pizzazz and conservative boredom from me. So thank you for showing me up. But it's good to see you. How have you been?
2: Very well, indeed. And I loved listening to your editorial there, because, of course, the, what you're saying about Trump has all the hallmarks of a story I was covering this week. And that, of course, was the election's In Pakistan, you know they put Imran Khan behind bars. They've 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 slammed him with God knows how many um, criminal convictions now, which he has to serve. You know concurrently, Um, and and they tried everything to stop him and his PTI party gaining victory. Uh, They took away the symbol from the party, so if you're illiterate in Pakistan, you didn't know who you were voting for. They took away the cricket bat symbol, uh, so people going to the ballot box wouldn't know where to cast their vote. Uh, But still, uh, the PTI party won the majority. seats in the house because Khan, from behind bars, Said to his former P.T.I. members, stand as independence, which is quite a difficult thing to do. You know, you know, you have to raise the funds, and but they did, and they've won all these seats. So it's exactly mm-hmm. the same. The more you try and shut the per- person of the people up, the more the people go, no way, we're not having it. And it's, it's just exactly the same. It happens to be in a different country, but you know, it's the populist vote. It's won the majority of the seats, and they predicted a landslide for the other party, not nothing of the case. And he was campaigning from behind bars using AI, artificial voice technology, and he 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 didn't stop, and the, and. The, and the re- and the reaction and the results have, have have shown the 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 end result of his campaigning. It's absolutely brilliant.
1: In 2010, I met Imran Khan, and I met him more than once. And he was in the United Kingdom, and he was announcing his intention to go into mainstream politics. And I spoke with him, and I thought initially, is he heavyweight enough to do it? And I left. This was in West London, in Kensington. And I left, uh, to be precise, Notting Hill Gate, and I left being completely convinced that he had a narrative. I thought this will take you some time, Imran, but you'll probably make it to high office. And of course, lo and behold, he became the leader of a nuclear nation. I wonder, Gemma, and you've been following this story during the week, I wonder if he entered prison thinking, well, this is just a temporary setback, actually, and uh, as you said yourself, you can't stop the movement.
2: Uh, who knows what he thought? I mean, he he's contested every single conviction. I mean, the first conviction allegedly for corruption uh, due to gifts he'd received while in office with his wife. He said this is completely politically motivated. And the second um, charge that was then slapped upon him was for um, allegedly revealing uh, contents of a secret telegraph, uh, which which alleged, it fr- was from Washington, it's from the Pakistan ambassador in Washington, saying, there's a plot against you uh, from America to stop you ever regaining power. So by saying that and and and, re- and delivering the contents of the telegram, that was official secret. So they were able to slap another charge on him. But every single charge, much like Trump, he's saying, this is, this is ridiculous, politically motivated to stop me getting into power. He may well have thought, oh, this will be temporary, but either way, it's a victory, isn't it? It's a victory for him. It's a victory for the... People, he went into politics saying effectively he wanted to be the Pakistan version of draining the swamp. He wanted to make it a country for the people, uh, bring, bring the gap down between the haves and the have nots. I mean, there are 240 million people in Pakistan and most of them live in abject poverty. And he said, No, I'm going to change all this. And allegedly, he got in on the first time because of his good links with the military who allegedly you know are the real power behind pakistan and they decide what goes and of course as he got more powerful and, and and had the backing of the people they were like oh hang on a minute you know this 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 can't be con- allowed to continue we run the country and and then relations soured but either way whether he thought it would be temporary he still has this victory he still has this um Sway of public opinion behind him, and people have gone out as independents. They've worked hard, and they've they have gained all of these seats in the, in the assembly. It's it's a really encouraging story, I think, for the global shift in perception where people are now standing up to the system in terms of elections, in terms of just you know non-payment of tax in some countries. I mean, there's a big non-payment of council tax movement here in the UK, controversial, but people are doing it, and it's just people are just saying we've had enough, and we are going to make our feelings felt. And we've talked about politics a lot, you and I. I'm quite disenfranchised as a Voter, I haven't voted for years, but even I think I might take to the polls in our, our UK general election and see if, see if we can affect change. Because so many freedom parties have now been formed in the UK as a result of the last four years. You know, we've got pol- new political parties. It's a wonderful time to be alive.
1: Going back to what you said about Imran Khan, it seems to me there is a phenomenal hypocrisy in the. Western hegemony, and I would include Pakistan in that because they seek to be allies with Britain and and America, where those said countries damn Vladimir Putin for imprisoning his opponents, and at the same time, do their best to imprison their own. The the idea that Donald Trump should be behind bars uh, at the same time as uh, the West shaking a fist at Putin saying, how dare you put your opposition behind bars? Beggars belief in its hypocrisy. What do you think?
2: Oh yeah, I mean you've nailed it there, Lembic, totally. It's like do as we say, not as we do. Our reasons are better than yours. It's got all the hallmarks of a bullying parent, hasn't it? Do as we say and not as we do. Um, but of course, people people see through it. And that that's the the real beauty of where we are at this point in human history, in human evolution, in human consciousness, of like people seeing through political agendas. Whereas, you know, decades ago, when when I was a child, and I'm sure you, you know, my mum's generation, my granny's generation, they absolutely Uh, obeyed authority, whether it's the church or the police, in fact, the police is one of the stories that really came to my attention this week in the UK, but whether it's the church or the police or your boss, people did what they were told absolutely without question even if they weren't happy about it you did what you were told you know uh, somebody official in a uniform knocks on the door you do what they tell you those days have gone you know really they really have and i don't think they'll ever come back and powers around the world are really scared of the people now but i think it's absolutely wonderful and hopefully one at one some point there'll be a tipping point where those in power realize they're people too and if we all just work in this together everybody's lives are better off. I wonder if that day will come. What do you think?
1: Uh, well, I, I I think it is happening. Uh, I have always been sceptical about revolution, but I've, I'm i quite optimistic about evolution. And two examples, one is in Northern Ireland, which I covered extensively yesterday on the Lembotopic show, we did see an evolution, which is close to revolutionary, where literally warring parties, literally, that's not a metaphor, literally warring parties are now power sharing, and creating a comparatively peaceful province in the form of Northern Ireland. I was involved in that for a decade myself. Second example is the one we've just been discussing. Donald Trump has said, as I mentioned before, that every time they try to prosecute him, it only makes him stronger. And I think that is a kind of resistance because the public are saying, we don't respect you on Capitol Hill. Trump might be a billionaire, but he's our man because he says it like it is. And I personally become increasingly sympathetic to Donald Trump because he is the antidote to the establishment and an establishment that I endured when I was a member of parliament and to which uh, I eventually began to rail against. So I don't think that there will be armed uh, insurrection in the streets. But I do think that there will be that kind of resistance that you say when the public simply say, we're not giving you our consent anymore because you don't rule us, you serve us. So get out. Uh, you're talking about the local, the the smaller parties. Maybe we'll come to that in a few minutes' time. But are you an optimist about the immediate future, for example, with the United States and the United Kingdom, or not? We'll come back to this, I'm sure.
2: Well, my personal jury, and I know this will not endear me to many TNT viewers, listeners, or maybe a, a fellow presenters. I'm the my personal jury is still out on Trump. You know, and I, 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 but I know plenty of people who have had awakenings over the last, you know, four years or the last couple of years, who initially started out very skeptical of Trump and now say to me, "No, Jem, Jem, he is the real deal. He is the real deal." I was like you, I was skeptical, but Jem, he is the real deal. I still think, and this is a personal belief, that if you're in a position of global power on the world stage and strutting around and flying here and flying there and saying this and saying that, then the, you're not really the one in control i do think and it, you know may sound a bit conspiratorial i think the real power does always lie behind the scenes that's why people in power stay in power you never know really who they are um, and and you know the, we have these huge ngo uh, organizations who waf united nations and all of these things but what's behind that there will be behind that and i do think corporations and bankers and the big institutions, there are still powers behind those thrones as well that we never see. Parent companies of parent companies that you've never heard of. Um, you know, you think Coca-Cola is the top of the tree? Very unlikely. So I do still think, if you can see them, they're not really in charge. That's my own personal opinion. I'm very happy to be proved wrong on this one. I really am, because if 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 you know, I do believe Imran Khan has got his heart in the right place. So maybe I could be wrong, and Trump does have his heart in the right place, and he is really a man of the people, despite being a bl- billionaire. <laughs> As you rightly say, that's my take on it. And like I say, if I'm wrong, I will hold my hands up. I'll come on here and I say, I got it completely wrong. He's he's a good guy. He's one of us. But I, I still remain to be convinced. He says all the right things. I'll give you that. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know.
1: Before this year is out, I'm determined to meet him and give TNT viewers the right to judge in an unprejudicial, non prejudicial interview, stay with us, Gemma Cooper. You're listening to Gemma and myself, Lembatopit, reviewing the week as seen from the free speech prism of TNT. Don't go anywhere. TNT's Jeremy Nell. Nice comment here from Rebecca. She says, The youngest people um, I work with are a bit more mature, but their interactions with the public is stifled, and she's referring to the excessive use of cell phones and social media and how it's making them so anti-social also.
0: The business is open six days a week. One of his staff members formally requested that they shouldn't, you know, that they, could they be given permission not to have to work on Wednesdays so that they could help at the dog shelter. Now, as you know, I'm a dog lover. I have hunting dogs. I've got dogs coming out of my ears, my Malinois, and this dog, this Malinois, is bright even by Malinois standards. She can do crossword puzzles, is lying under my desk at the moment, feeling sorry for herself because she's just come on heat for the first time and she's completely bewildered. She doesn't know why she's <laughs> bleeding to death. It's not about whether it's a good or a bad thing to work at animal shelters. That's a delightful thing. It's a noble thing to do. But who in their right minds goes to their boss and says, would you mind? I'd rather not work on Wednesdays if it's okay, because I've got other priorities in a, in a town down the road. <laughs> Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk TNT. I'm Naheem Hines, professional football player and proud supporter of the Muscular Dystrophy Association. My mom was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy when I was 14 and I watched her struggle but MDA helped her get the best treatments and care. And they also help kids like my buddy, Ethan.
2: My name is Ethan and I'm 12 years old. Thanks to the Muscular Dystrophy Association and people like you, I have more hope than ever before. From day one, they've treated me like family at my local care center. MDA is the only one that funds over 150 care centers across the U.S. to help
1: provide state-of-the-art care for adults and kids like me.
0: For over 70 years, MDA has been transforming the lives of people living with muscular dystrophy, ALS, and other related neuromuscular diseases. They fund the research for breakthrough treatments, care, and cures. And MDA provides support to thousands of families like mine and Ethan's in communities like yours. Thanks to MDA, kids and adults can live life to its fullest. Join us and learn more at mda.org today unbiased information honest and forthright
1: news without the misinformation
0: it doesn't matter what side you're from what matters is what you say the
1: truthfulness behind it today's news talk radio tnt Welcome back to The Lempotopic Show here on today's News Talk as TNT. I'm with you for about another hour and a half as we review the stories, making the headlines and a review of the week with the incomparable Gemma Cooper today. Uh, Gemma, you definitely look very trendy. I'm going to have to get a haircut myself. Not that there's much to cut. Maybe I'll dye my hair. (laughs) It could take years off me, I could be looking as young as Biden by next week, we shall see. (laughs) Let let me share some comments which are coming in and you know, as always a lively lot out there. Thanks. I've just going to look down to read them uh, uh, out. Chris Kidmore, who was in charge of some climate committee in Parliament. Chris Kidmore says Hemingway has a lot of letters after his name, I can think of a few more. Okay, Hemingway, we'll move on from that. Mogden says Ian Plymer, the climatologist, has written three little green books for young children, teenagers and adults. recommend that, by the way, you're right to mention those Moncton Ian Plymer tells it like it is and can reassure children that we are not destroying the, the climate. And uh, Holly's grateful for that. Um, they are available on the eBay as well, but buy them new as well. I like this one. Hemingway adds the Greta Girl, that's Greta Thunberg, the doyen of the green fanaticist movement. The Greta Girl's family are hypocritical benefactors of gas driven capitalist success. According to the World Bank, the annual per capita per capita income globally is $11,000 per year, which is less than the cost of two chairs that adorn the Thurnbergs living room. Good point, well made. Uh, Holly's thanking us for the guest, uh, Brian Kat. I think he's absolutely great. We'll definitely have him back. Lots of feedback about him. And one uh, comment to you from Holly. Uh, ooh, Gemma, fancy new hair. Very nice. So you get a thumbs up oh. from there. A sample of one. Says yes, Holly's asking. <laughs> is, is is my comment? I'm not. I'm not belittling it. Of another way of saying, 100 of viewers who've commented love your hair. That's the other way of that's looking like, at it.
2: That's much uh, Holly, more like it, <laughs> Lembek. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I got that bit wrong. There, yeah, sorry about. That. Holly says. Also, uh, am I giving you a spoiler about the Trump interview? I'm in negotiations. I haven't got a confirmation that I will get that Trump interview, but you can assure. I can assure you that if I get it, I'll do it the same way we do it here giving him the best space to put his points of view, not trying to trip a person up. My view is that proper reporting asks the right questions, but gives the interviewee the respect to let him or her answer those questions to their best ability. That way, you always Benchmark everyone the same way. You say, give me your best responses. And then you trust the public, the viewer, the listener to make their own judgment. That's actually what free speech is about. You trust people to be smart enough to make their own judgments. And One more from Red, and I really like this. Russell Brand. Russell Brand is a... A celebrity who's been in a lot of hot water, according to the media, lots of accusations made against him, which I'm not going to repeat. Russell Brand has substantially increased his membership and no doubt his wealth since his persecution. I think you're right, Red. Uh, we seem to love pariring people who don't fit the mold, regardless of any legal case. Keep your calls and comments coming. Let's get back to Gemma though. Gemma, what uh, first of all, what do you feel about this this pariring of individuals? Uh, in the media, do you think it's 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 all part of the establishment? I'm putting words in your mouth. All part of the establishment effort to stop the nonconformists.
2: I I think it's very interesting. I was going to comment there as you are talking about Russell Brand. It's interesting how they didn't pariah him when he was fulfilling the stereotype of a good little mainstream operative when he was with the BBC and with all the mainstream channels. They suddenly decide to start pariahing him when he's had, obviously, what what some would call a kind of conscious awakening, a kind of spiritual shift, a shift in perception. He's had children. I think that was a big part of it. And of course, he then gained a big following by talking about all of the things uh, that we talk about here on TNT and more. On a global stage with a massive global audience, then they come down on him like a ton of bricks. So, if it's true that these allegations of his behavior were well known within the television industry for decades and they were so serious, why not do something then? Well, he was earning money for the mainstream. He was gaining audiences for the mainstream. He was bringing in revenue for the mainstream. and and so Suddenly, he goes rogue, i.e. he thinks for himself and he thinks, no, I will stand up as a sovereign being and say what I believe in and speak from my heart if you believe that. I mean, he's quite a divisive figure. Russell Brown. Some say he's he's a he's the dark lord and he's controlled opposition and he's leading people down the rabbit holes. Some genuinely think he's had some kind of spiritual conversion and he's really trying to make the world a better place. I, I don't know. I've never met the man even when he was at the BBC. But I do find it interesting that as he's gaining more and more followers, as he started speaking out about politics and Ukraine and all of this stuff and, and, and taking on the corporations, they come down on him like a ton of bricks. And I do find it interesting that still. Despite all these historic allegations and it was awful and there's all this evidence. Where, no, he's still not been charged. Still not been charged. If there was that much evidence, there would be they would be charged. And I, I do admire his stance, much like, much like Imran Khan and much like Trump. He is not lying down and, and meekly scuttling off into the corner and saying, Oh no, don't be mean to me. He's he's going about his business. He's he's carrying on broadcasting. He's finding ways around being demonetized and deplatformed and all kinds of things. And he is standing in his power against it and saying, bring it on. I can prove these allegations are false. It will be interesting to see how it develops. I'm very surprised there have been no charges given the Ferrari back in September when these headlines came to to light. Um, Still no charges. Why is that? Because there's not enough evidence.
1: What I suspect will happen is that the charges will either get dropped or there'll be some cursory case and then no further action will be taken. But uh, I'm not the judge nor the jury here. I... Certainly agree with you. I think, well, let me put it a different way. Russell Brand admits that he's had a troubled existence. He's struggled with drugs, for example. But also, although I've never really particularly liked his comedy, I respect that many people do. And he does something that I can't do. Uh, He he, he performs in a stage way I can't do. Uh, I very much liked his performance in a film called Forgetting Sarah Marshall. So he's clearly got entertainment talent, the way that they turn on individuals like Russell Brandt is is lamentable because we pretend to be a multicultural society, but woe betide you, if you dare to call out the establishment, I've experienced that too. And I think many of us at TNT have, uh, you and I, we don't need to go into our our sad history at times at the state-sponsored British uh, uh, media outlets, but we've both experienced the wrong end of the stick there ourselves. And that's why we're here, perhaps. Uh, Let's move on to a story you want to talk about from the week regarding the police.
2: Well, I mean, there are lots of stories this week that uh, really do um, warrant attention. But I was just talking about the police there um, in regard to how we used to trust authority. And of course, I work across many of the UK TNT shows uh, from, from six o'clock in the morning until nearly midday. And and my job is to cast a look at the breaking news of the day, uh, chat with the hosts of different shows, get an analysis and an opinion from the hosts about the stories that are going on. And one story that came out was two stories about this, the state of policing here in the UK. And they're both very distressing, unfortunately. But I think the fact that these these, these facts are coming out now and people are still fighting the system in one of the cases. That was in, involving deaths in police custody, people that have died in prison waiting for their trials. They hadn't even been convicted of anything. They were just on remand. And also um, a, a really shocking report into the Metropolitan Police, the biggest police force in the country, the, all of London, um, their attitude towards um, missing children and child exploitation, sexual exploitation in the capital and the way they turn a blind eye to, to missing kids and say, oh, they'll turn up. And the way that they really um, didn't understand that when a child goes missing, it's very much likely to be because they're being pulled into gangs, into paedophile rings, that like most children in London that go missing are in care. They're already very vulnerable. you think the police would be doing everything they could uh to to help those kids but no uh, information filled in incorrectly in reports reports passed from officer to officer nobody really following the case parents who are really concerned about their children being fobbed off um, and this is this is 2023 into 2024 this is a really awful shocking report that came out this week and it just goes to show the the institutions which we thought were there to protect and to serve um, are, are doing anything but uh, and the level of kind of contempt with which these bodies of authority hold the people which pay their wages. I mean, it was only at the end of last year we saw a swathe of convictions of Met police officers for um, misogyny, uh, gross misconduct and people being fired, uh, rape, sexual assault, uh, gross um, GBH, uh, grievous bodily harm. These are our police officers. And it was two stories in one week that led me to think, goodness me, this is where we are. with the the state of policing in this country, which you know we pay our council tax here in the UK, it's a local authority charge, and part of that charge goes to funding the police, but look at what we're funding. So that was a story that really stopped me in my tracks, actually, especially the attitude towards um, missing kids. Also deaths in police custody, there's still one investigation ongoing in Scotland, which is the story that we discussed on uh, Locked and Loaded with Rick Munn, of a, a man who was killed, died, should we say in police custody, 2015, um, and the, the the restraint, in inverted commas, that prison officers used to, to, to subdue this man uh, led to him having a cardiac arrest in prison. 17 poli- prison officers for one poor man in his 30s who wasn't particularly physically robust. His family are still fighting for justice after a new report out this week saying that w- what happened was wrong and all the prison officers were protected from prosecution at the time. That decision is now being reconsiders, as I'm sure it should be. Um, but there are two stories that, that that I thought, you know, decades ago, like I say, my granny's generation, my mum's generation. If a policeman told you what to do, you would do it. Now, in this country, policeman tells you what to do. You kind of stick two fingers up and go the other way. That's how it's going, because trust has irrevocably broken down.
1: The uh, you caused me to think of two things. Number one, uh, I myself had my phone hacked by the media. I've seen the evidence. I saw it in Scotland Yard. Did they do anything about it absolutely not i know this because i know journalists contacted somebody whose messages had been hacked on my phone and on that person's phone but the i had the feeling at the time that the police had just been pulled off and there's been plenty of evidence of that kind of corruption second thing you remind me of is in the north of england when the police were saying that underage girls who had been systematically raped by uh, collectives of men were not protected because the police said that the girls were somehow complicit in their own rape. This is the problem. How can you possibly trust the police service if you know that your daughter or your friend has been raped and the police say, well, it's your own fault, love?
2: Well, that's what happened. That's exactly what's happening in London as well. And when the Rochdale and the Northern gang grooming stories came to light, many people said, don't make the mistake of thinking this is just one police force in one part of the UK. And this report that was out into the Met Police clearly shows it's not one police force. It's likely, if this is the Met Police, top of the tree, it's likely that this attitude towards children, vulnerable children, has extended and does extend to all forces, all 43 forces in the UK because, yeah, not only were they turning a blind eye to children going missing and not trying to find them when it turned out they did find them and they had been subject, some of them in lo- in London to horrific rapes and sexual assaults. I would, they, it was so graphic, I couldn't go into the details on air mm. on Thursday and I'm not going to go into them now. Um, but they they implied as well. Oh, they were asking for it. They they sought the company of adults. You know, these are 12 year old children and younger. They, they just were like, well, they, it was just the child's fault. The child sought that kind of behavior out. How can a police officer say that? How can a human being say that? You know,
1: about a 12 year old child. I have a six year old child. There's not that much difference. How on earth can the law enforcement authorities expect to get any respect from a public which is living around individuals who have been treated in this way? Who do you go to? Many of these individuals are disempowered. I suspect, Gemma, the only reason there's been so much action is because... It's been in the media. And even then, as you said before, the media has colluded. The state-sponsored media outlets in the United Kingdom were perfectly aware that individuals within their ranks, one individual in particular, Jimmy Savile, was committing the most appalling crimes against girls. And if they weren't, then how could they not know? And yet it was all covered up. Somebody, Jimmy Savile, let me say, somebody who was a friend to the prime minister, I suspect so there's quite a lot of protection going on there.
2: Yeah, and friends with the uh, who now who now is King Charles, you know, the very top of the establishment tree and uh, you know this this story is worthy of much further comment and i know other other um hosts on tnt have about you know the links in the police with freemasonry and uh, all uh, you know that the kind of keep it in the family attitude of forces they encourage as you know any public sector organisation does actually they encourage people to kind of socialise together have relationships you know it's a very kind of clubby environment um but yeah i mean you know I've worked. I worked for the BBC, as did you. You, you don't, as some kind of mediocre uh, British disc jockey, suddenly become, you know, on the world stage with with politicians and prime ministers mm. and royalty. It just doesn't happen. Which is why my spider sense was tingling with our little mm. goblin face. Greta, when suddenly, as a sixteen-year-old girl, she was propelled onto the world stage. You know, it doesn't just happen. These things don't just happen. I mean, I've met many politicians and royal members of the royal family, and gone on royal royal visits, and like you're told, don't look them in the eye, don't don't speak to them, don't engage with them. It's incredibly difficult to get into those upper echelons of power. Not for Savile, though, was it? Not for Savile. And the real story will never really come out because, of course, he's dead, and those who really know will never speak. They'll never speak. You know, we'll never get the lowdown from King Charles as to why he went up to uh, Jimmy Savile. Savile's cottage in Scotland every summer, and and stayed with him. What did they talk about? I wonder what they talked about. Mm. Uh,
1: the other thing about what you're saying is that he he well Jimmy Savile went to his grave scot free. He was he was never persecuted. He actually threatened people who were trying to prosecute it. I mean, he threatened people who he said were persecuting him. That seems to be the way of the abuser. Uh, and now then, the BBC did this hand hand ringing documentary showing what he was like. Well. Let's remember who was in charge of the Crown Prosecution Service at the time. Keir Starmer, who claims he didn't know. Well, I'll just let the the viewer judge. If the head of the Crown Prosecution Service didn't know something which had affected hundreds of people in this country, what does that tell us? Uh, A couple of comments here. Uh, Red, you're right. I misunderstood what you said. Persecution infers, this is in regard to Russell Brandt, persecution infers credibility among the revolutionaries. You missed my point, sorry. Red, yeah, you put me right. Sorry, you're completely right. Hold my hands up on that one. Holly says, there was a case years ago of a woman hitchhiker who was raped. The judge said it was contributory negligence as she was wearing a short skirt. Amazing. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Annie says, the rot starts at the very top, batten Savile, the allegations against Andrew. And uh, then there are some other comments there as well. Uh, it does seem to me that you get a certain amount of immunity if you know the right people. Now, that shouldn't come as a surprise to us, but it doesn't necessarily instill confidence in what's meant to be a free country with a justice system. Stay with us, Gemma Cooper. You're listening to the Dilemma Topic show as we review the stories that Gemma Cooper, who's active all week, has been considering and discussing on the other shows as well. Hope you're finding this interesting. A little bit more from Gemma in a few minutes right here on TNT. Don't go anywhere.
0: Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg.
1: Fresh off her court victory, worth over $83 million
0: over Donald Trump, of course, columnist E. Jean Carroll appeared on The Rachel Maddow Show and expressed her euphoria by making this offer to Maddow. You've talked about using some of trump's money that you're about to get um to help shore up women's rights do you know what that might be what that might look like yes rachel yes tell me i had such such great ideas (laughs) for all the good i'm gonna do with this money
1: first thing rachel you and I are gonna go shopping. We're gonna get completely new wardrobes, new shoes, motorcycle for Crowley, new fishing rod for Robbie. Rachel, what do you want? Penthouse? It's yours, Nothing. Rachel.
0: Penthouse and uh, France? You want France? You wanna go fishing nope. in France? No?
2: Oh. All right, all right, okay. That's a joke.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, is it just me? Or does Carol's offer to Maddow seem to cheapen? and delegitimize all she says she stands for. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. The next time you think you can illegally handle your mobile phone while driving and get away with it, think again. Phone detection cameras are in operation on New South Wales roads. Hello. So if you're driving and illegally handle your mobile phone, you can stop it or cop it.
1: This is The Limit Opic Show on today's News Talk Radio TNT. Welcome back. Coming up in the next hour, we have the kung fu medic. Who is he? Why is he called that? What's his campaign? You'll find all that out in about 20 minutes. Uh, But with me now is our very own, I would say award-winning Gemma Cooper, Can I back that up? Yeah, I've just given you an award as being the best Gemma Cooper I've ever met. And uh, we're looking at the stories which Gemma has been covering during the week on TNT, the home of free speech. Uh, Gemma, one comment here from Hemingway, which I certainly agree with, Hemingway says, the authorities no longer possess the ability to grasp genuine public opinion. And I think that's true, because essentially, uh, there seems to be a massive disconnect between political classes that increasingly seem to be introverted, just living in their ivory tower and the rest of us who live with the consequences of what they do there.
2: Yeah, I don't think there's a disconnect. I think that they do know they have grasped public opinion. They just are absolutely terrified of it. They, they absolutely do know where the shift in, and our kind of um, focus is gone and that's against you know standing up to them and, and trying to move away from what everyone calls the matrix. You know, it's, it's just basically a very sophisticated form of slavery, which people are realizing that now, you know, from cradle to grave, from the minute you enter the school system, it, it, it is to, to indoctrinate you, brainwash you and prepare you for a life in service to the system, energetically and financially. Now they know that people are moving away from that. They, they've just, we have all just had enough and people are looking for more meaningful, meaningful ways to make a living, more authentic ways more congruent ways to live their lives in this short incarnation they absolutely know that and they do not know what to do so they're, they're doubling down aren't they and 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 trying everything they can to kind of terrify us climate change you talk about so much Lambert you know it's so great that that guy's written those books to stop children being terrified of living of doing anything of breathing of getting a car all of those things again you see people are, Against it, they know that, they know that, and they're very, very, very frightened. So let's see if we can keep them on the run, that's all I can say.
1: And on that point, you have another story you wanted to share, Gemma?
2: Absolutely, I mean, I, I just love the way that this story played out and, and the kind of the knock-on effects of it, which will be revealed on the Sonia Porton show this week, uh, here at 7 a.m. UK time on TNT. And it's the story we covered about the dentists, the, the crisis in, in NHS dentistry here in the UK, i.e. free dentistry, There were some very shocking scenes earlier in the week of uh, people queuing around the block in in Bristol in the West Country uh, to get an appointment with a new NHS dentist uh, in a part of Bristol. I mean, literally these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who haven't seen the dentist in years because they can't afford to go private uh, queuing for this NHS dentist. The police were called to regulate the queue. Uh, you see, that's where policing's going. Things like that. It's just ridiculous. Um, and off the back of that, you know, we did a whole kind of coverage of like on the very same day that people in the UK were, you know, queuing and queuing in their hundreds to get an appointment to get their teeth checked as part of our national health service. King Charles, was receiving out of the public purse the very best treatment that money could buy for cancer now I don't begrudge anyone getting treatment for cancer but of this money is coming out of the taxpayer's purse you know I think it's 31 million was the sovereign grant last year that's taxpayers money for the royal family um we pay for Prince Charles's treatment but equally can we not King pay Charles?
1: King Charles, King
2: Charles, King Charles, living in the past, oh, God, look, in the past aren't I? Thank you for that, Lenbit. Um, King Charles' treatment, uh, but we also should be paying for our own treatment. So where's this disparity and where the money is going and where, why it's treating the elites and not treating the very people who are paying their taxes for those services? So we covered this at length. Um, on Sonia Poulton's show. And then, of course, the government then announced its uh, 200 million dental recovery package pretty much the day after uh, those those pictures went viral of the queue. And part of that dental package was uh, a golden hello for new NHS dentists. Fair enough, you might say, uh, to put them into areas where they're lacking in NHS dentistry. But right off the back was then the, the, the kind of classic problem reaction solution of, oh, the nation's teeth are so awful and so bad because there's no dentist. Let's put loads of fluoride in the water because that's really good for everybody's teeth. That's the solution. That's the solution to the NHS dentist crisis, which has been going on for decades, decades here in the UK. Um, So they're gonna fluoridate a lot of the water in the UK to ostensibly protect our teeth uh, and stop tooth decay. uh, When really many campaigners say it has very little effect at all. It's actually very, very dangerous. Uh, And the best way to protect teeth is is good dental hygiene, teach kids how to brush their teeth uh, and floss every day. And that will prevent a lot of problems and also don't eat sugary foods. That's where the focus should be. Um, And we've talked a lot, uh, especially Sonia Portland and I about this story uh, for several days. Uh, And as a result, four four, uh, dentists, NHS dentists approached Sonia uh, uh, anonymously. They wanna be anonymous, but they wanna come on the show and talk about their experiences in NHS dentistry and dentistry as a whole in the UK and talk about why it's been allowed. And they do think, I think, it's been allowed to get to such a state. So they're going to be on the show this week. And I just thought it was a lovely example of how a story we covered with our TNT analysis on it. You'd know, you never hear the mainstream media talking about the dangers of fluoride. The mainstream media think this is a brilliant idea. Um, And because of our analysis and our comment, um, people have been encouraged to come forward and tell their stories tell their stories about dentistry, the real story. Um, Quite rightly, they wanna be anonymous, they still work in the profession, but I'm really interested to hear what they've got to say next week and, and, and what they bring to the table. And hopefully we'll hear, we'll hear stuff that we haven't heard before in the UK about the state of our health, the state of our oral health and why they think it's been allowed to get to such a crisis point. So it's a real sim, sim, um, symbiotic relationship between us and the listeners and the viewers. And I, I really hope more people in different walks of life come forward because you know that's the beauty of TNT, is it's, it's not just about the hosts and the presenters, it's about the audience. Uh, and they're, they're, they're equally as much part of where we're going with this station as we are.
1: Uh, Your point about fluoride uh, reminds me that decades ago, when I was a Member of Parliament in the UK, I looked into it. Having assumed that fluoride was good because I bought toothpaste with fluoride, I then realised that it's a poison, actually. And the idea that we would mandatorily medicate millions of people with this poison, in other words, take the choice away, unless you're rich enough to buy bottled water, uh, stunned me. And now I saw the same interview that you've described, actually, it was covered a number of times, where a politician proudly proclaimed that they were going to put fluoride into the water. Well, did they learn nothing from the COVID vaccination scandal? Did they learn nothing from the fact that when you start putting muck into people's bodies, nature tends to react? Uh, uh, Interestingly enough, I had a, a. need to go to the doctors the other day on on a minor matter, which could have been a major matter. And they reacted very quickly. The local people were fantastic. As it turned out, it was nothing, but they were really kind and very helpful. But the idea that we now have a creaking national health service, uh, mainly because of the incompetence of politicians, made worse in places like Wales, where they got record waiting lists, Just underlines the incompetence of our political system now. What's the solution, though? You should maybe stand for parliament yourself.
2: (laughs) No, I don't think so. But of course, you know, you mentioned the TNT party, the TNT party. Yeah, well, you know, stranger things have happened. But you know, you mentioned there the COVID years. Tried that. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) he did. He did indeed. He did indeed. Um, But just going back to what you said about you know the COVID years. This, this is exactly the same. It's an engineered health crisis, inverted commas, you could only say it's been allowed to go on this long. And the solution is obviously to to forcibly put something into our bodies without consent in the name of health. Um, and, and the parallels are strikingly obvious between what happened with the jabs and what's happening now. We're all to keep our teeth incredibly healthy. I, I just don't understand it. And of course, you know, little children's teeth do fall out. Um, and my mum took fluoride tablets when I was a baby in her womb because she did what she was told. And she, you know, and she used to say to me, well, you've got such wonderful teeth because I took fluoride. And I was like, but my teeth are falling out, mum. I'm six. I'm waiting for the tooth fairy to come. You know, why do you need to protect... Uh, a, a fetus's teeth, um, and of course, what you're saying about the health risks—you know—it has uh, fluoridosis and all of the terrible effects on the bones and brain development as well. So, luckily, I seem to have escaped the kind of dumbing down effects of the fluoride. But not everyone is so lucky, and there's there's many studies been done about the effects of fluoride on the IQ of children's brains. Uh, there was a study, I, oh, I quoted it this week. I can't remember. Oh, Canada—they uh, they proved that bottle-fed babies uh, with who had fluoride in the water. They, um, their IQ was 10% lower uh, as they did studies on them as they entered into their toddler years. Um, so this is a proven fact. So you have to ask, you know, is it really about our teeth or is it about dumbing us down? Which is an absolute definite proven scientific effect of taking fluoride in large doses and having fluoride in the womb. My, my thoughts are with the latter. It's a part of their reaction to this growing, standing up to the system. It's like, well, we'll just drug them into submission. We couldn't do it with the jabs. We'll try and do it with fluoride. I hope that people stand up in their droves and say, don't put it in the drinking water. Because at the moment, only 10% of the UK population have fluoride in the water. So it's, it's going to be a significant increase now as a result of the images and the stories from last week. But I hope that uh, people get filters or say, no, we won't do it. I don't know how. It's a very difficult thing to kind of work your way around, isn't it? If you go to a cafe, order a cup of tea or coffee, where's the water come from? It's such a hard one to fight, this one. It's harder to fight, actually, than the jabs.
1: Except that I think if you start making it clear to people that fluoride can seriously damage your health, people do get concerned about ingesting muck. Uh, now, I understand that fluoride has proven tooth benefits, but all the other stuff is the problem. A few comments coming in on the chat at tntradio.life. Uh bonus here says, Get this, I had to eat fluoride tablets every night growing up. What did that do? Well, Bonus here is you'd be a genius. You probably are already, you'd be an even bigger genius if you hadn't done that, perhaps. And then there's another point here. Uh, Madrid said, Madrid, I got your other message. I'll call you about that separately. Uh, Madrid says turmeric and coriander will remove any metals and fluoride from your body. Yes, I've heard that about turmeric. I didn't know that about coriander. And uh, uh, Bonasier says, ah, I got dunged down. I take it that's a deliberate play on words there. Uh, Mogden adds, fluoride calcifies the pineal gland, your third eye. Yes, that's an interesting point. I do suspect things that we take cause us to be less connected with the spiritual world that actually you Gemma know quite a lot about. Uh, if you were to choose one story from the week's work, what would it be that's that's the, the standout great or worrying story? And I have to tell you Gemma talking with you in this hour, it really does feel like a useful compendium of what's happened and what's coming up. I, I hope that uh, viewers find this helpful too.
2: Oh, I hope so. You know, I mean it's nice for me to be broadcasting on a on a Sunday for a full hour because usually in the week on all the different shows I work on, it's quite a scrabble because news tends to break quite often in between the hours that I'm on, you know, I'll have another breaking story, especially as the day gets underway here in the UK and you know, the kind of juggernaut of world events start to kind of fall into your lap. So it's quite a fast-paced um working environment and you you know, you have to kind of be across a lot of different things. So it's nice on a Sunday to have a full hour to kind of chew the fat and 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 talk about some of the stories from the week. Funny enough, I've got a whole list here in front of me of stories I was going to bring to the table. Uh, and unsurprisingly, you know, only two we've really talked about because well three really if you count the Pakistan elections. But I I do four, have to four,
1: four, four, four. We were talking Good. about Trump as well.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. We were talking about Trump as well. Um I, I suppose Russell Brand, you know, that's still a story that's cool. ongoing. Um but really, the, the the dentist story is the one for me where I really did feel that we 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 tackled the story with a with a really non-mainstream hat on. Um, we got lots of interaction in the chat about fluoride. Uh, unsurprisingly, you know, it's a health issue. It's a consent issue, uh, which is massively important. And then we got four. We didn't just get one uh, dentist saying, "I want to tell you my story." I think we got four. Four approached Sonia off the back of that, um, and it does show that the reach. Uh, of TNT is 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 so huge, and there is just one story. Well, it's what happened to me um, this week, which just absolutely delighted me. It happened just before I went on air. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday, possibly, and I was just about to go on air, and uh, with Sonia Porton on the breakfast show, and uh, I had a text now. I've had a lot of nice comments from people in the alternative media world since I joined TNT, uh, because once I left the BBC, I went into alternative media. And I've met a lot of really great people in the alternative world and, and media in the last three years. Um, and lots of people sent me nice messages and they're like, great, brilliant. And But I didn't really know everybody particularly well. Anyway, I got a text just before I went on air, and um, it was a text that said, brilliant work, Gem. Keep it up. You're absolutely great. Love your work on Sonia Poulton show. You're doing really well on TNT. And it was from somebody who lives two miles away from me in my hometown, who I went to school with, I grew up with, drinking in pubs with, a guy called Steve Walters. He's a local scaffolder. He's helped me amazingly with uh, community and charity events that I did when I worked at the BBC with like setting up staging and stuff like that. And he is listening, as are many of his friends, just, you know, down the road from me to TNT, you know, and you often wonder who's listening. Is it just, you know, are we in an echo chamber and all of that stuff? And it turns out, no, people I went to school with are listening. People are talking about it right here in my hometown. And I'll wager it's the same for you, Lembit. So it really, really put a spring in my step, as I'm sure you can tell. Because um, I just thought, my God, this is amazing. So I, I texted him back and I said, thank you, Steve Walters. You are now officially my new best friend. Call me every day. Um, and he said, no, you're doing really well. TNT's bloody brilliant. So that's the story. It's a personal story. It's a personal anecdote. It made my week, Lembit. It made my week.
1: I second that emotion I notice that people I care about care about TNT because it's not the station that matters is what the station does and like you I, I feel able to really let a thousand flowers bloom in terms of opinions not have to make anything up and trust the viewer to judge for themselves, as you see. And sometimes if I get criticized, I can read them out. That doesn't happen very much on on the BBC, does it? Uh, So I'm very (laughs) pleased that in a sense, we are actually the legitimate broadcaster to this country uh, because we don't live in the pockets of some state state checkbook uh, it's a great pleasure to see you we've got to do this more often uh, and uh, thanks for everything you do during the week and thanks for giving us a shop window of the past and a look forward to the week ahead that's our very own tnt gemma cooper there uh, taking a look at what you've heard or missed in this week uh, don't miss anything next week. Coming up next, we got the Kung Fu medic. Why is he called that? What does it mean? What does he do? All of that will be revealed in the next hour. Uh, do get involved in the chat as well. Go to tntradio.live, have your say. Correct me if I'm wrong, as Red did. Uh... Put your views forward and suggest subjects that you'd like to cover as well. TNT is here for you more than anything. It's here for free speech. If you think for yourself, you've come to the right place. Another hour of the Lembetobic show coming up really shortly. And you might want to suggest uh, some questions for the Kung Fu medic once you've heard what he's all about. I'll also cover a couple of stories at the beginning of the sto- uh, show, uh, things that matter to me. Don't go anywhere.